namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma My friends, this evening I'm going to talk about Is that okay? How about that? So uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the theory and practice of four elements. This is coming from directly from the Sutta on the Four Foundation of Mindfulness. So this time I'm going to be a Tipitaka Thampa. This is called Tipitaka, which is Buddha's teaching. So I'm going to be a Tipitaka Thampa today. <laughs> Because this sutta is so beautiful, so it's really good to read it directly from the sutta. I like this sutta very, very much because I went to Old Delhi and I saw a place where the Buddha taught it. It's called Kulu. It's there in Old Delhi, it's just amazing. So just being part of that history and sat there and meditated in 2005, it was very alive. Also part, part of the reason I like this sutta is that uh, I was lucky to be taught this sutta by two teachers who have written books on this sutta. One of them is called uh, Venerable Sadhu Silananda in Half Moon Bay who ordained me. And uh, he really taught me this sutta thoroughly. And he, uh, he wrote a very good book called The Four Foundation of Mindfulness. So I understood that. Uh, the sutta and a really very beautiful sutta. And then later on, I studied it with Bhante Gunaratana, another teacher of mine, uh, who wrote a book on mindfulness in plain English. And uh, he has written also a book on Four Foundation of Mindfulness. Uh, we did it uh, as my teacher's training, uh, both in Pali language and English. So it's really a gem for me. So sometimes when I talk about this suit, I get carried away. I hope I don't get carried away. <laughs> and out of this sutta, the Satipatthana Sutta, the Foundation of Mindfulness, specifically, I like the four elements. Another opportunity to get carried away. <laughs> because uh, this is how I was trained in the beginning, of course, and, and I went to other training, of course, but this was our major training to really observe the four elements. 
uh, as you're breathing in, breathing out, it was rise and fall of abdomen. And uh, later on, it shifted to the breath and walking meditation. We had to observe all these elements. And when we, 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 we went to our teacher, Saido Pandita, and other teachers, you had to describe one piece by one piece. So let's say when you breathe in, you have to describe what happened when you breathe in. In details, one month, two months, three months, you have to describe what happened, what happened on elemental level. Let's say when I was breathing in, I, uh, then I felt the extension of abdomen, then the expansion, contraction, tension, pressure, all the time. Uh, we had to report this. Sometime I was wondering, what should I report? Because I had exhausted everything. You know, you have to describe what happened when you breathe out. In walking, the same thing. And I had problems for me to describe exactly which element I was feeling when I was moving, when the leg was moving. I could understand when I was dropping, lifting, and placing. But movement, I could not understand exactly. It took me a while to really figure out what happened uh, with these four elements when I'm, uh, I'm moving. So, as I said that we are going to talk about the theory and the practice of the four elements, the four elements for me, it helps me to keep the practice real. I told you last time how I roll. I keep, I, keep, I keep it real, I keep it simple, I keep it interesting, IRS. <laughs> so the sutta keeps it real because it's practical. You can't just be on a theoretical level. It's really as practical as you can go. So it's real because it's practical. You can practice it in many uh, areas in your life. And I'll talk more about that, how to apply it. It's simple because it's four elements. Of course, there are so many other elements and space element and many, many other elements. Uh, if you study Buddhist teaching, there's 18 elements. Even actually, it's what called secondary elements, derivative of these four elements, like uh, taste and sound. And test and uh, yes, uh, nutrition uh, elements also. Uh, this smell also, but this is just only four, so it's easy to remember. That's why it keeps it's easy for that matter for us. And it's interesting when you combine easy and practical. It's really become very interesting for me. So that's why I say uh, it's IRS. All right, the theoretical part of it, we are going to navigate the Sutta itself, starting from, uh, I think, so. in the beginning we talked about this Sutta from the very beginning, but I want to draw attention to uh, one area which is very interesting. Uh, it's exactly what the Buddha is telling us how to practice, uh, for instance, four elements.
he repeats this many many times but here is a revision of it uh, what are the four here because a bhikkhu abides contemplating the body as the body ardent fully aware and mindful having put away covetousness and grief for the world there are three words that i want to pay attention i want you to pay attention to ardent full aware and mindfulness so those are three qualities of the mind that we want to bring in uh, to the practice ardent is effort diligence full aware is uh, of course such uh, sampajana is to be aware fully aware and mindfulness of course you know about it so we are going to use those words and as i'm uh, i'm going to even to deconstruct what we call rain and I, I know you have heard about the that acronym rain i would like to deconstruct it later on using those three words because that's what we really need to carry forward when we practice we shouldn't just be aware just recognize there should be an effort there should be mindfulness so that's the theory about uh, how to practice for elements we are going to use those uh, qualities of the mind so with full knowing so we start with what are the properties of these elements the sutta doesn't talk so much about what are the properties but we find it in other buddhist literature like uh, buddhist uh, psychology and philosophy it's called abhidhamma uh, the book talks about properties of these elements i didn't bring it with me but i noted some of those properties and we have already uh, actually we have already discussed these properties with you they are very practical uh, for the earth element the properties hardness and softness for fire element is hotness and coolness air element expansion and contraction of course it has a function of movement water element is cohesiveness and fluidity so that's what we find in buddhist literature it's good to know this theoretically but it's really practical as you're going to see you can even experience experiment this yourself for yourself like even when you bite your teeth like this you feel hardness so the, that's really very practical you can really feel the hardness directly not because i talked about it but really you feel it mm-hmm. even when you press your fingers like this you press it very hard very hard you really feel it you can feel you start with softness and then you can feel the hardness even in swallowing try to swallow like this you feel the fluidity you know so that's what are elements and when you are doing eating of course when you are uh, you are you practice mindfulness of eating you want to pay attention to those elements air elements you can even feel as you do like this you breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out you can feel the air the movement 
and also the fire element, the warmth, the coolness. So I always tell people who, um, whom I meet and they tell me the way they practice meditation, mindfulness of breathing, is that they count all the time for the past 30 years of practice, they count the breath. I say, what? You're a good accountant. <laughs> I so I told these people that we are not balloons. <laughs> air in, air out. Actually, counting the breath has a place in a practice, especially when you have a lot of hindrances, when the mind is restless. We find it in a visudimaga path of purification where you have to count the breath to trick your mind. But if you make it as your major practice, you might be missing out a lot. Because when, for me, when I breathe in, all the elements come in. Elements. In fact, we, even with the breath alone, just mindfulness of breathing, you can feel the elements, the warmth, the coolness, the softness, and all this. There are so many things to discern in a breath other than just one, two, three hundred, one million. <laughs> People are very creative. I know it's in the Buddhist literature how to use it. And it works for people who want to gain concentration. It works. I'm not uh, downplaying this practice. But sometimes uh, most people might miss out something. That's Maybe I miss out something, I don't know, but on breathing, on counting, maybe I miss out something, I don't know. But really for me, the elements are very real, real, every time I really uh, breathe in and breathe out. So this is uh, the theoretical part of it. So now we go to the practical part of it. I'm going to go through areas where you can apply these four elements. In Sutta, it's treated in a very, uh, not in so much in details, but when you look at the discourse itself has a wider application. It has a wider application, and I'm going to show you how I apply it in my own practice, starting with Mindfulness reflection when you're eating. I don't know how you do this, but in a monastic, monastic tradition, we have to reflect uh, on our food, clothing, shelter, medicine. So in that reflection, it helps us to practice non-attachment to food to even other objects. So if his attachment is your problem, attachment to food, I think you might find this uh, very helpful. So we do it so much in uh, the monastery. I don't know here where I do it, whether I do it, but uh, I just capture only the, the, the part of the element because it goes on and on. I eat this food not for beautification, not for fun, for sport, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot. A lot in there for, for us when you are in the monastery to remind us that uh, we should really uh, cut uh, off our attachment to food. You see, 
in the monastic tradition, uh, we sometimes eat breakfast and lunch, and that's about it. And evening, you have a like, kind of a juice. But also sometimes we, we push a, an extra envelope where we decide to say, oh, I'm going to eat only one meal. And if you're eating one meal alone in 24 hours, guess what? You're going to always to have that mind that inclines towards kind of leaning forward. When am I going to have that meal? <laughs> you develop kind of... Uh, uh, I mean, in a monastery, there's no television to keep you busy. <laughs> there's no movies and other things. So really, the food then becomes a major preoccupation. <laughs> and I remember when I did this practice, um, I, for almost six months, eating only one meal, I used to go there and then uh, at Bhavana Society and then say, oh, am I going to have enough, actually? It took me a while to find a balance of how much food I need, actually, for within 24 hours. So that major meal is very, very meaningful. So then, uh, in order to curb, uh, to cut off this attachment to food, this reflection we do in the monastery. Just as this food is dependent upon um, uh, <coughs> Just as this food is dependent upon and made upon mere elements, the individual, that means the person who's eating food, that uses it is not a permanent being, is not a permanent, uh, does not have permanent life, is void of self, is made up, for, uh, is made up of mere elements. So really the gist here is the food you're eating is made of four elements, and the person who's eating is made of four elements. So then that relationship between the food and yourself, it helps you to see uh, really exactly what you're eating. Maybe uh, we know we are eating tofu. We are so much used to that name tofu. Even when you talk about tofu, you start salivating, salivating you know. But when you, the tofu come into your arms bowl, and you see it as four elements, I think you start shifting your relationship to craving for food. This is exactly what we find in a sutta. I'm going to read for you because that's what the Buddha recommended. Uh, in a, uh, He gave a simile here. Very beautiful simile, but it's not Buddhist simile the way it looks like. I'm going to read for you. It, it doesn't sound Buddhist. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to read this for you. Uh, again, because a bhikkhu reviews this same body, however, it is placed, however, disposed by way of elements, thus. In this body, there are the earth element, the water element, the fire element, and the air element. Just as though a skilled butcher or his apprentice, apprentice uh -huh, uh, has killed a cow and was seated at the crossroads with it cut up into pieces, so too a bhikkhu reviews the, this same body by way of elements. Thus, in this body, 
there are earth elements, the water element, the fire element, and the air element. So this is a very powerful simile. I don't know about you. I know it's un-Buddhistic <laughs> to talk about killing a cow, but the message is very clear. The message here is a skillful, a skilled butcher mm -hmm. had killed a cow and uh, really cut it into pieces. What really cuts into those pieces when you look at the simile is actually the wisdom. Wisdom cuts through all delusion, delusion because the function of, of wisdom is to cut, to cut right, through all this delusion and ignorance. So here, what's going on in this simile is that somebody will lose perception, the butcher, uh, will lose the perception of the cow once it's cut, right? Um, when he's about to kill it, he says he's going to kill a cow. But once he has already killed it, and now he's selling the meat, he just talks about, this, the, the butcher talks about only meat, but not the cow. So it's really kind of dis deconstructing our reality, <laughs> because we think always about this uh, meat, uh, pork, whatever. But when you look at pork, oh, and you just have a lot of attachment to pork, mutton, uh, bacon, and now it comes into your plate, and you are meditating on four elements. You just see it as four elements: earth element, fire element, and all this. So that's what we do in uh, our training. We look at food, that one meal you have a day, it comes. We, of course, in the beginning, you might have attachment to the food, but once you start looking at this food as just elements, I'm telling you, you lose the perception of all the food that is in your plate, and you just eat elements. How about that? You just eat elements. <laughs> I mean, it's real. <laughs> You don't eat vegetables, <laughs> you're just eating elements if you bring wisdom in it. I did this practice for a while actually. And uh, later on I went to Sri Lanka uh, for, the, for my training. I went to many Asian countries. One of them is Sri Lanka where I lived for over five years. And I used to go to a monastery. Where I used to live, uh, they had rice, white rice. For some reason, it's very difficult to find brown rice in Geno in Sri Lanka. But when I spent eight years in West Virginia, there was this brown rice. And I was so much used to it. And here I am in Sri Lanka, no brown rice. So one time I found a monastery which really have a wonderful practice. It's Paoko Siado Monastery where they practice jhanas and concentration. And actually that's a branch monastery for Paoko Siado. They practice jhanas. I say yes, I found a good practice. A, a very good practice where I can, I mean good monastery where I can go and practice. So I went there for two weeks. 
the first day I went there, of course, this monastery, of course, they eat very early in the morning. You have to wake up at 3, and then you, you go for breakfast at, at 5.36, and then lunchtime is at 9.30, and that's going to be your last meal. So I went there for the first time, and then there's uh, many Western monks are there, actually. Monks from Greece, everywhere. They are living in nunnery, also, uh, next to it. So then they have food for Westerners, and then food for the Sri Lankan people. So the food for Westerners have brown rice, just what the doctor has ordered, <laughs> brown rice. I said, wow, I've spent a long time without eating brown rice. Every time it's white rice. Okay, I'm say, I got it, finally. So then uh, I got brown rice in my arms bowl. And of course, when you eat in arms bowl, some of the people who serve us, they put some uh, ice cream, which melts, actually. Instant melting, actually. But, but when they're putting it, they really tend to put in different corners and these corners. And they're full of compassion. But I'm telling you, by the time you sit down, it has all melted in the food, you know. <laughs> so, welcome. Welcome. Now, there is a... Something challenging here for a monk, <laughs> uh, especially in that monastery. They have a practice that I've never seen anywhere. Anywhere I've been, I've been to many monasteries in Thailand, in Burma, in the US. In that particular monastery, they have a practice that I'm going to tell you that really shifted my relationship with food. So in this monastery, you get your food. There's about 30 monks also, uh, including the abbots. You all get your food. And then before you sit to eat your food, you have to stand up. And then all monks, starting with the senior monks, start giving you food, one spoon like this, and put it in your arms bowl. And also you have also to give that person has given you. It's a good practice, generosity within a monastery, you know. Of course, this food comes from outside. They bring it to the monastery. So what that monastery do is to train their monks also to be generous by getting the food from their arms bowl, put it to another next person's arms bowl. So what this does is for us, Western monks, we put in what food we like, brown rice, we put it. It's really enough for us for that day. It's amazing. By the time 30 monks go around, can you imagine one monk does like this from your arms bow? I mean, you start from your arms bow and give, and the other one also from their arms bow with all this white rice, they drop it in my arms bow. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way you are going to hide your brown rice to go in a little corner. By the end of this ritual, they start at 9.30, it ends at around 10. 30 minutes we spend doing that. I'm telling you, by the time you go to sit, you have food that you never even thought of. <laughs> so, what I did, this is what I did to survive. 
I gave up the whole idea of brown rice. I said, I'm going to eat elements. <laughs> That's for the first time to see this practice. I was so powerful because I was really suffering. I was fed up of, rice, of white rice. By the way, I had spent five years in India. That's where, where I, I got to know Buddhism, actually. Five. I'll get carried away. Let's leave that one. <laughs> um. Okay, let's continue. We have to go. We have to go. Applications. Okay, another application. Uh, in four postures. Four postures. Uh, in the four postures, there is what we call sitting posture, lying down posture, and uh, standing posture, and then uh, sitting, walking, standing, and lying down. We have to use the four elements if we really want to put our practice to the next level. Find out which part is in contact with the cushion where you're lying down. Of course, you can use the breath as an anchor, but for me, what I did is to use uh, uh, the, the, the four elements. Uh, when I'm lying down, you just feel the touch points, and uh, of course, when I'm doing standing meditation, uh, there the anchor is on the breath, is actually the feet touching the ground, feel the pressure, the tightness, all those properties of elements I've told you, you have to be aware of them. You have to be aware of them. But there's one thing I want to tell you which is very, very important. One of the, uh, I mean each element has what you call uh, proximity cause. Not producing cause, but a supporting cause for it to arise. So, uh, and each of these properties we can say uh, from a Buddhist psychology and philosophy, Abhidhamma, is uh, each of them to arise, it has to be supported by other, other let's say for earth element, uh, for the other three elements, that's, their, uh, that's the proximity cause for it to arise. So this goes to say that if you just become aware of one prominent element, no need to really look for others. So in other words, if I do like this and I feel hardness, that's what I should be aware of. I should not start to look, oh, where is water element? Where is fire element? I don't feel this. Oh, maybe I'm doing it wrong. And I know yogis, for some reason, they're always thinking they're doing something wrong. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> why not think that you're doing right? <laughs> so... Uh, any time you really uh, practice the four elements, just take one that you feel that is very dominant. Don't look for the subtle ones, right? That's enough because they are included, right? It's just like these fingers, right? They all do things at the same time. You see I'm holding my cup like this? I cannot hold my cup with one finger. No, no, I cannot. I have to do like this. So all the four elements, actually space also is included, five elements uh, space, all of them are together. Please don't say, oh, where is this earth element? Where is this fire element? No need. Right there. Just be aware of one. The rest are also included. That's very, very important. So, okay, we continue on with the uh, application in, uh, of course, uh, 
um, uh, in the f uh, the four postures, you have to apply them. Uh, in walking meditation, you become aware of, of course, lifting. Then you feel lightness, the movement when you move, and then you place down as you feel the foot. As the foot placed on the ground, you feel hardness, sometimes softness, pressure, tightness. Please don't recite these things. You don't have to recite anything. You just be, you remember I told you, uh, fully aware, then effort, ardent, and then mindful. You see this very clear, just like water in a glass. That's why I say this practice is real. Okay, we have seen, uh, we, we, we have finished with the second application. The third application of this practice is mindfulness of breathing. Mindfulness of breathing, the breath itself is air element. When you do like this, then you feel, of course, don't meditate with your finger like this, <laughs> but I'm just inviting you to really feel it because we've been breathing since we are born. So we take it for granted. We don't feel the breath anymore here. So from the beginning of your practice, you might want to do like this and breathe in and really what we call be aware of the felt sense. This word is used a lot. I think somebody came up with that word. Uh, forgotten the name. Felt sense. Really, what does it feel? The breath. What, how does it feel? As you, you breathe in, you feel the movement, the touch sensations, the warmth, the coolness. The, it's a lot you can really feel in a breath. So in, that, in mindfulness of breathing itself, we can actually apply the four elements. Rather than just counting the breath, uh, and also, of course, we can be aware of the long breath, short breath, uh, as the sutta unfolds also. But really, from if you really practice vipassana meditation, which is insight meditation, you want to, tr to track down what are these unique characteristics of that experience. The hardness, so, uh, the softness, and all that. Because as you continue with that practice, then you are going to start to see the change the changes, you know, the hardness changing, softness changing, some kind of cascading experiences you can start feeling as you are uh, practicing. Those who have done practice with in Mahas traditions, I, uh, I think you have some, we have some people here who have practiced that practice where you have to be aware of uh, rising and falling of abdomen. The breast the breath is, uh, has a primary stage here where you can feed it here, but there's a secondary stage where you can really feed it here at the abdomen. So get your palm like this, just hold here the abdomen, start breathing in, the abdomen rises, then breathe out, it falls. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. Breathe out. Those are four elements. You can put, uh, really feel them right there. As the abdomen expands, uh, arises, you become aware of the expansion. You become aware of the contraction when it falls. Those are properties of air element. You feel the pressure. I'm telling you, uh, when I was in San Jose here in 2001, that's where I ordained actually. I ordained as a monk, not in Uganda. Just in, in case you don't know, I ordained here in San Jose, California. 
So my teacher was an assistant to Sado Pandita. He used to ask me, what do you feel when you're breathing in? And I have to report in terms of elements. I had reported for a while and I exhausted the vocabulary of, the, of describing my rising of the abdomen and falling. One time, I was, you know, I was a yogi, you know. <laughs> I became very creative. Yogis are very creative. So what I did is to really make sure that every time I breathe, I extend my breath so that I can feel more elements. It was the most horrible experience. It was <laughs> tiring because I, I wanted to report something new, you know. <laughs> this teacher was very demanding. Every time I wanted to hear something new, I say, yes, I got something new that I can tell when I breathe. <laughs> I'm telling you. Elements. <laughs> You're going to feel elements, not more than that. You can see how you can relate to that, but uh, yeah, so that's number three. Application. We go to number four. Number four, a fourth application. Really, actually, what we are doing is to navigate around the sutta, really. We are still within the same discourse, but really see how can we apply it so that it's, it's practical. It's not just theory. Okay, four elements, elements, element, earth element, earth element, earth element. So what? So what? <laughs> so we really need to really go and see where we can apply it. So now, mindfulness of uh, emotions. Now, elements are sneaking in in our emotions. How can we apply for elements when you have difficult emotions, like anger. I found this not so much here in the discourse itself, but in this Visuddhimagga. Visuddhimagga, which is the path of purification, which is a book was written by a monk. Wow, time runs very fast. <laughs> I haven't talked so much. <laughs> Have I talked so much? No. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> okay, relax. <laughs> we'll finish it. <laughs> We'll finish it. And if no, that's not a big deal. <laughs> Is it a big deal if I don't finish this talk? No way. <laughs> Take some water. It's very interesting. I found out in this book describing that when you have anger, if somebody made, make you angry, so you, this is how you should practice. You start asking, am, am I angry with earth element? Am I angry with water, water element? Guess what? It works. You, you think that monks, we don't meet irritations? Ah, we meet some people who don't know that we are even monks. They just say you are going to go to hell with your robes. <laughs> yes, in Africa, somewhere, you travel somewhere, people don't know that you're a monk. They say, oh, hi, you're Maasai, you are West African. They think this actually is a fashion, this is a fashion in Uganda. <laughs> they say, wow, we like your fashion. But sometimes it's a positive compliment. Sometimes it's a negative compliment. 
Most is positive and say, where can I get this fabric? I say, you don't know what you're asking for. <laughs> you need to take 227 rules, <laughs> including not getting married and not taking dinner. That's not fun. When they say that I'm going to go to hell, because sometimes they do actually, they say, you know, you, you're a Buddhist, you are going to go to hell. I say, when this irritation comes, I say, am I irritated with the earth element? I even look at this person. I can't find anything I'm irritated. I just give up actually. So that means we can apply the four elements when we have a difficult emotion with somebody. You just keep on asking yourself. Therefore only, you know, am I angry with the fire element? You look at, you cannot find the, what you're angry with, you just drop the whole thing, you know. <laughs> like a red brick. For me it has worked actually, having that introspection. Really ask yourself, you won't find anything. Try. The book continued on asking so many things like the body parts, Started to body parts. I think we have not talked about it. Yeah, when you, they give a talk on that started to body parts. Again, also the book talks about asking yourself: Are you angry with somebody's nose, with the eyes? I mean, you don't find anything. By the way, I found out nothing. <laughs> the emotion go out of the window. We got the fifth one. Fifth application of mindfulness of. Uh, of elements, this one I really used it, uh, and it was a good uh, liberation for me. Mindfulness of unpleasant feelings, which is pain. Pain uh, is one other application you can use the four elements. Uh, I don't know about you, but in the beginning of my practice, I had a lot of pain, physical pain, basically. And uh, I could sit for 45 minutes. I injured myself, actually. I, I injured myself by shifting beds to another place. And then when I came to the practice, I had a lot of physical pain. And, when I, and that's when I ordained as a monk in San Jose. And then I went to my teacher. I say I sat for 45 minutes. He said, mm, 45 minutes? You can't sit for an hour? I said, no, I have a lot of pain. Then next time I report one hour, I said, you can't sit for one hour and a half. I go and, so it kept on going and going because other people there, they were sitting for four hours in a stretch and they were just lay people, Vietnamese actually, in that monastery, Tatagata Meditation Center. And here I am, I'm a monk in robes, sitting for only 45 minutes, one hour, I think my teacher didn't like the idea. He thought that I was not applying myself. But he, he didn't know what I was going through. A lot of pain. A lot of pain. One time I had a lot of pain and I was really sweating. Literally sweating. I said, what can I do with this pain? So I tried one, uh, one technique. I said that, okay, I'm going to see this pain as a friend. Not as a ghost that I don't like. So every time Penny would come, 
I would even pet my knee like this. Ah, welcome, my friend. Because I had so much resistance, so I said, oh, oh there, you welcome, you know, like this, you know. It didn't work, you know. <laughs> pain as a friend? No way. <laughs> Maybe a little dose of a pain, but not full swing, you know, when it came full swing. One time, not, this was not a talk by, from the teacher. One time I had learned about the four elements. And I was sitting there and I said, I'm going to resolve this pain into four elements. And I'm going to see what's happening. I started with earth element. I would feel the hardness. Sometimes I would feel like sitting on a hot plate, really, very hot. You know? So I say, wow, this is fire element. Then yeah, it kept on switching from fire element, hardness. And so. so I got so much engrossed in seeing different strands of, the play, of pain. It's amazing. I kind of went into circles, like pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, kind of going in circles like this. It took me almost five or ten minutes, and the pain just disappeared. I, I had a breakthrough. And then I went to my teacher because that time I extended my seat for another 30 minutes. I told him that I've been sitting for one hour and a half. I said, mm, sit more, continue. <laughs> I thought I'll impress him. Anyway, I didn't impress him. This teacher, you could not impress him actually. So then uh, I say, yes, I can't impress you, but I've broken through the pain. Now with that breakthrough, do you think I don't get pain? It comes, and I use the four elements. But I know really my kind of uh, limits. I know my limits, and I know how to get nuggets of wisdom, even when I have pain. Before I was pushing it away, and I really found out the reason why I was get, getting a lot of pain was because there was pain there, there was resistance to pain, and also there was a little thing in, a, in that equation in that mix, there was me who suffered. So I found out once you pull out the me in equation and the resistance, pain you break it into parts, into four elements, you really start getting lots of wisdom even when there's pain. Of course, later on, it continued coming on. Uh, it came again and again, but I knew how to deal with it, especially watching the intentions, to change the posture, intention to change the posture, then I would re release, not change the posture, but release a bit like this, release a bit. Not like this all the time, of course, but actually release a bit and disconnect the contacts uh, with the cushion. This was really very, very helpful, actually. And I got to know that really uh, from that seat that I used to sit, uh, I found out that some of the pain is an imbalance of these elements. It's the imbalance of these elements. Sometimes the earth element has an upper hand, then you feel that it's hardness. And it became very clear when I went to, uh, to Burma to sit there for two months uh, in 2003. The Burmese people were sitting on a floor like this with a small mat like this, this thickness of the mat. 
And in USA, I had a throne, literally. Throne at IMS, you have all the cushions, you know. You can really come up with a throne and you sit there. <laughs> Sometime I remember I had a throne and during three months in 1999, and I was the tallest yogi actually. <laughs> <laughs> Just like now, I'm the tallest probably. Putting cushion, cushion. Later on, I found out it doesn't matter how many cushions I put on, pain will come. I had to be humble enough. I started pulling out all these cushions one by one. And I found out that I'm going to practice with four elements. Why these Burmese people are sitting on the floor? And I'm here I am, I'm coming from USA with all these cushions in our monastery, and I could not travel with them. But why are those people not getting pain? And I'm getting pain, and I'm on a cushion. There must be a reason. I found out the reason was the elements. When they're in balance, they're out of balance, really, uh, you get pain. So the key is to see how you can balance them by really paying attention and being wise and practice mindfulness and all these things. Play with it. <laughs> As uh, I think uh, Eugene talks about play, he doesn't want to work with things. <laughs> For me, it's just fascinating to see the interplay of these elements when you have pain, you know. Be patient and you see it. Uh, for me, what I like about this practice is that even when there's emotion pain and you're breaking, you're breaking it into pain, even when there's a physical pain, you're breaking into uh, elements, you are becoming wiser. By the time pain goes away, you have a lot of wisdom under your belt. That's what I like about this practice. Whether pain goes away or not, but I'm getting wiser. I learn to be patient. I learn to have determination. I learn to have effort. So there are so many uh, qualities you get when you have such situations in your life. Finally, I think this is uh, more of gaining wisdom, insight. That's the last application. There are so many, but I better stop. I told you I will get carried away, so there's equanimity, there's a lot, a lot, but let's stop at uh, gaining insight. When you practice with insight, this, uh, with four elements, you get insight knowledges, insight knowledges into uh, impermanence and satisfactoriness and non-safe. But the way to practice, there are nine insights. The commentary talks about so many, but the commentary talks about so many insights uh, in Buddhism, but really, when you look at what the Buddha was giving here, even he talks about this insight. It's already here. In the whole discourse, he talks about insight. In this way, uh, he abides contemplating the body in body, externally, internally, or both internal and externally, and uh, abides contemplating uh, the body, its nature of vanishing, he abides uh, contemplating the body in the nature of both arising and vanishing, so there's rising and then passing away, and both rising and passing, passing away, or else mindfulness is that there is a body, 
right, is simply established in him to the extent necessary for the bare knowledge and mindfulness. And he abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. In this case, the world is not Uganda, USA. It's really the five aggregates. And somebody will talk about that. That's how, uh, that too is how a bhikkhu abides contemplating the body in the body. These are nine insights you get, but I want to collapse them into four to make it easy. I'm going to collapse these nine things into four. Uh, when I'm doing that, I'll take uh, the, the permission to disconstruct uh, the acronym RAIN because it has been here for de two decades also, but uh, by teacher, I think it was started in by Michelle McDonald, and now it's in so many books. But uh, let me get some permission to deconstruct it because we have to use what exactly the Buddha's teach. I mean, you have to use what Buddha uh, used in the sutras. You remember I told you these mental states, uh, which is atapi, uh, ardent, fully aware, and mindful. So these are three mind states you don't want to leave behind when you are practicing uh, this sutta. And, and my teacher talks about to, pay my, uh, to uh, actually use a very complex word. Talks Bhante Gunaratana says that pay mindful, uh, mindful effort to understand. Mindfulness effort to understand. Really, what Bante Gunaratan is doing is bringing those mental states ardent, full aware, and mindfulness to forefront. So, in other words, when you are watching, uh, becoming mindful of uh, these elements, you practice what you call right mindfulness. So, uh, for rain, I'm going to use red, and instead of R there, I'm going to, which is recognition, I want to use exactly what the Buddha intended for the practice to be. It's called right mindfulness. Because right mindfulness come along with the other mental states like ardent, full aware, and mindfulness itself. And then there's effort. There's even more than that, because there must be also concentration. There's even faith and confidence. Those are five spiritual faculties right there. There's not enough time to talk about them, but at least let's pick those three. Ardent, full aware, and mindful. So for me, I come up with the acronym, uh, which is RAID with R not recognition, but actually right mindfulness. Because we don't want to uh, throw the baby with water, <laughs> really. We want to really uh, make sure that we bring the Buddha's teaching uh, uh, to the forefront, which is right mindfulness. So for that matter, you, you, you practice right mindfulness of those properties of elements, pressure, tightness. You know that when they're present, you know when they're absent. So really that's, uh, that draws from being aware of the body and the body externally, internally, and both internally, externally. In other words, you become aware of your own elements and external, outside external or both. So that's R in red. So I'm, I told you I'm collapsing those in nine insights into four. So we go to the second one. A would for me, and people in rain they talk about allow and accept. For me here, I would like to look at, at A as attitude because that's what I find in a sutta. 
In the sutta, this is the attitude that displayed in the sutta. It said that there is a body. There is a body. Who doesn't know that? <laughs> Sometimes I feel that the Buddha was giving instruction to kindergarten people. <laughs> you come away from Uganda or Wisconsin or Canada and sit here to know that there's a body. Too bad I'm running out of time. This is really very interesting. <laughs> Let me deconstruct this in my next talk, please. <laughs> because it's too fun here, too fun here. <laughs> so, in the next talk, I'm going to talk about deconstructing this because I cannot do this in four minutes. How often, let's leave even the body for a while. If we to go, let's say, if we were to take a short excursion and go to another foundation, let's say, uh, when we talk about mind states, anger and all that, how often do you get angry and say, there is anger? Raise your hand if you have ever got this. When anger comes and you say, oh, there is anger here. Wow, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> to be continued. Anyway, let us sit for a moment or two. So, sit comfortably, feel at ease, let go of the past and the future. Let's sit for three minutes. Let go of all the excitement. And I'd like you to, to use these four elements. Let's say uh, you can try with rising and four of abdomen. It's an invitation. If this is not your practice, it's just an invitation to try it now. You can put a palm abdomen but you have already done it you don't have to do it now so be aware when you breathe in the abdomen rising what element do you feel is there pressure is there extension expansion as you breathe in and out don't leave this understanding to theory or concept what's your felt sense as you breathe in and out air element come out of air element no need to bother about other elements just know that the elements there but look at the property of that element as you breathe in the abdomen rises you become all your pressure tightness air element you breathe out contraction air element 
what happens to that air element, the contraction? Is it rising and passing away or staying the same? Can gain a lot of insight. Thank you very much for your attention. I offer this for your practice, your, your reflection. Things be well, happen peaceful. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.